Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Now, my wife, my wife is a driver. My wife's a terrible driver, all right? My wife's a terrible driver. And um, when we first got married, we only had one car. How many love that? Isn't that a fun experience? One car family. And so it was like, ah. So finally we had an opportunity to buy a car. It was my grandma in South Dakota. She said, I'm selling my car. Would you like to buy it? Sure, grandma. What is it? I don't know. I think it's a Chevy. I think I'm kind of like taking a big gamble here, grandma, you know? And so I bought her car. I didn't know what it was. Flew to South Dakota. And when she showed me, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It was a nice Chevy Impala. It was newer. And uh, so I was like, I'm thinking like Oldsmobile, right? Like, like I'm going to be stuck in Nebraska somewhere in this car. So I bought this car, and my stepbrother and I, we took a road trip. Road trip down to the Midwest, across New Mexico, and did to Colorado and all that. It made it to Las Vegas and just had a great journey. And then my brother flew out, and we had a, two cars in our family. How many love the two cars? Come on, Jesus. Like, I'm, we are living our best life now with two cars. And so we had those two cars. And one morning, my wife was going to go to work early, and she said, Babe, I love you. Bye. I want to kiss. And she went into the car and left. And also, she came back in. Like, like, I didn't hear the garage door shut. I heard it open, but I didn't hear it shut. And that's a miracle in itself, me hearing something. And then <laughs> she came back into the house, and she had this look on her face, like, hey, babe. And I'm like, what is this? This is new. Like, what'd you do? What happened? And she said, well, see, what happened was, right? What happened was she was backing out her car that was in the, in the, in the, in the garage. And when she was backing out, she was looking at her rearview mirror, not using her side mirrors, and she was looking back behind her. So she was looking at her rearview mirror and looking behind her, but she wasn't using her side mirrors. So according to this mirror, she was clear and open, but according to the side mirror, it was not safe to back up. And so when she backed up, she crushed that side mirror right into the garage, crushed it, shattered it. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, babe, it's okay. It's like you're one of marriage, right? Like, babe, it's okay. I'll get it fixed. I'm the man of the house, right? I'm the man. And then I looked up. It's $200 replaced. I was like, babe, listen, we're not going to replace it. We're just going to leave it as it is, right? Come on, Jesus. I'm a preacher, so we twist everything, right? We're like, we're going to serve as a reminder, as a reminder that we should use our mirrors. We should use the tools and resources that's on our car. So the title of my message today, <laughs> title of my message today is Objects in Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. Objects in Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. Touch your neighbor and say, too close for comfort. Too close for comfort. Objects in Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. If you're nervous in this place, my wife was in last service and I passed, okay? I made it. I passed. But that's the title of my message today, because there's many objects all around us in life that appear smaller and further away than they really are. And we're on this faith journey right now through the story of Abraham and Sarah. But Abraham also had a nephew named Lot. And Lot made a lot of mistakes. Lot screwed up 
a lot. And so here in the Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 19. We're going to go on a quick journey today. But if you're with us even for the first time or you've been with us for a year and a half or months, today I'm going to, I'm going to teach today. Today there's, there's preaching where I'm like, come on somebody and I'll preach. But today I got to teach today because I want us to leave here with resources and tools that have been given to us. And so Genesis chapter 19, I want you to stay there. And so if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, love to give you a free Bible. You can use your uh, phone. You can go to the Bible app. Check it on Facebook. You don't have to Facebook down here no more. All right? You can put it right here. Put notes in Facebook, Instagram. And please uh, use that as a tool and a resource for you. Because an enemy can remove it from your mind, but he can't take it off your paper. He can remove it from your mind, but he can't delete that note that's in your phone. So I want to read Genesis chapter 13. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 13. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan. So Lot and Abram at that time, they were too large. There was so much blessing in their life that you know why they had to depart. So Lot chose a better area. He chose an area where Abram was in Canaan, but Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. And check this, the highlight up. He pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And Sodom was exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So Sodom and Gomorrah was, ex- was very wicked, and they sinned against God. So the Bible goes to where the Bible, because it tells a story of where God talks to Abraham, and God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's like, okay, God, please don't destroy the city. My nephew's there. And so if there's 50 righteous people, will you not destroy it? God said, sure, I won't destroy it. Story goes on to say it. And this is chapter 18 in Genesis. Story goes all the way down to 10. Abraham's like, okay, fine. There's not 50. What about 10? If there's 10 righteous people, will you not destroy the city? And God said, of course, I won't destroy it. But there isn't even 10 righteous in the city. There's only one. And that's your nephew Lot. So in Genesis chapter 19, God sends two angels that look like men. They go into the city. They find Lot. And they say, Lot, God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's time to leave. But the, the city was so wicked that the strangers in the city saw the two men. And they said, they're good-looking men. We're going to lie with those men. We're going to sleep with those men. And so the story goes to say that they chased the men down to Lot's house. And two angels go inside the house and have to shut the door. And they're banging on the door saying, let us sleep with those men. We've never seen them before. We want to have relations with them. And the angel said, you know what? Boom, they caused them to be all blind. And all of a sudden they went off their way. That's how wicked the city was. And then in Genesis chapter 19, verse 12, it says, So Lot went out, and he spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters. He said, Guys, get up. Get out of this place. For the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. He seemed to be joking. So there's something that has taken place over the years, something that happened in the standard of Lot's own life that even his sons-in-law didn't believe him. Get up, we're in danger. You're funny. You're hilarious. And here's what it says in verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, okay, rise, take your wife, your two daughters, and let's leave the city or you'll be consumed in, in punishment. And while he lingered, while Lot 
linger. I don't know if you have kids, right, and you're in a hurry to go to church on a Sunday morning, or you're in a hurry to go to work, and you have to be on time, and you're like, you ready? Yeah, Mom and Dad, I'm ready. And what happens when you're in a hurry? Your kids, what? They linger. How I many know what I'm talking about, right? All the parents say, yes, right? They linger. If you're single in this place, say, my kids won't linger. Yes, they will. They will linger. And so they're, where's your shoes? I don't know where my shoes are at. But then they start crying, I don't know where my shoes are. Like, what's wrong with you? That's just what I've heard. Not my kid. That's not my kid. <laughs> but it said, Lot lingered like he didn't want to leave. The men took him by his hand and his wife's hand, and the angels moved them out of the city. Because God was being merciful to them, they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass that they were outside. The angels said, escape for your life. We got you out of the city. Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay. Don't look in that rearview mirror. Don't look behind you. Don't stay there. This isn't a pit stop. This isn't a rest area. Don't stay there. And verse 24 says this, Then the Lord, he rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. A little disclaimer here today. Sodom and Gomorrah is not Las Vegas. How many know the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So don't you dare talk bad about my city. Right? So it's not Las Vegas. But God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. He overthrew the cities. But in verse 26 says this, but Lot's wife, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for this word. Help us to, help us to realize what this means for our own lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. You know, I looked that up. I even looked up in my truck uh, this week. I saw on my driver's side, I was like, there's no warning. Now I saw on the passenger side, it said, objects in mirror are closer than they appear. So I looked that up because I'm a preacher. And I looked that up and it said the safety warning is required to be in the passenger uh, side mirror. And it's required because these mirrors give a useful field of view and it also makes objects appear smaller. Say smaller. It makes objects appear smaller. These mirrors make smaller appearing objects appear to be further away. You catch that. So it makes it look a huge truck will appear smaller and further away than they actually are. What happens though is a driver might make a decision assuming an adjacent vehicle is a safe distance behind when in fact they're quite a bit closer. This warning serves as a reminder to the driver of any potential problems. We have some potential problems in our life, and that's called temptation. That is called temptation. That temptation, we can see it coming, but it could appear smaller and far away. You know what? I'm fine because it's small temptation. It's not sin. I'll be okay to give him that temptation. Or maybe it's far, far away. It's not in my life. It's not near me. I'll be safe. And you have to understand, temptation is potential problems in our life. That temptation will appear small, but it has a big effect on us. Temptation or potential problems can be when your marriage is rough and you go to work and there's that friendly coworker. Maybe that potential problem can be that 
binge-worthy show. And we say, i got to watch this show. But what are you depositing into your spirit? That potential problem could be the browse feature on that social media website. Maybe that potential problem can be that comparison and greed or jealousy. How many know I'm teaching this morning? Because we need to learn about the tools and the resources that God has given us. That the mirrors, the objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. But the Bible serves as a reminder to the driver about potential problems. But as we embark on temptation, here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says. I love this scripture. It says, the temptations in your life, please catch this, temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. They're no different from what others experience. And that's what happens when you leave isolation and you do life with others. You begin to realize, I'm not the only one struggling in this area. I'm not the only one being tempted. But here's the key thing. And God is faithful. Can I get an amen? Right? And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you could stand when you are tempted. Write this down. Tattoo it on your arm. All right? This is what it says. He will show you a way out so you can endure. There will always be a way out. I grew up in church, and I remember doing a fine arts thing because I didn't want to do Bible study and learn about I didn't want to do those things. And so they put, they put me in a funny skit so I could try to win a scholarship and things like that. I remember in the funny skit, they said, okay, you've got to memorize this, this lines. And I looked at the lines to memorize. They weren't lines. It was Scripture. I was like, y'all messing with me, huh? Y'all tricking me. And it was, second, it was 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, but it was the New King James Version. Come on, somebody. And so I have this ingrained in my mind, and I'm so thankful that the Scriptures now hit in my heart. Because growing up in high school and then going to college and all those things, learning to say, you know what? No temptation has seized me except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He always provides the way out. And so when I'm tempted, I say, God, you are faithful. Where is my way out? But let me share with you, sometimes it's turning it off. Sometimes it's a physical action, but oftentimes fleeing from temptation is not moving your position. It's through people or a small group. It's through people or a small group. Why? Because together we're better. Why? Together we're stronger. And so all of us, we've been on a faith journey this summer. If you missed some, jump on that podcast. But we learned so many great thoughts and principles. But we also have to learn how to drive defensively. How do I use my mirrors, the tools, and the resources? And so write this down. Write this down. Objects in mirror are closer than you think. Objects in the mirror are closer than you think. It said, Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain in chapter 13. But then in chapter 19, Lot dwelled near the city. And then in three cha- or six chapters later, Lot's living in the city. Objects in mirror are closer than we think. Now, I want you to understand this. Lot never sinned. He never gave in and did what they were doing. He never took part in the sin of the city but what he did wrong was he never opposed them. I'm not saying he's a judgmental guy, like, y'all are going to hell, shut the door. That's not what it's talking about. But it's saying, Lot, what do you stand for? Because the problem is that he blended in instead of making a difference. 
The problem is he blended in without making a difference. That when you flirt with, with sin, when you flirt with temptation, your heart will be corrupted. Your heart will be corrupted. You know what temptation is? Temptation is that highlight reel on ESPN, right? When you turn it on on Monday morning and you're like, look at this game and look at this, look at that catch, look at this awesome thing. It's incredible. And it's like three seconds, right? That's temptation. Is. Temptation is, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be nice. Sin is fun. Temptation is awesome. But it never shows you the behind the scenes of the quarterback, the soccer player, somebody in an ice bath on Monday morning in pain because, because of the hits, the destruction. It never shows you behind the scenes. Unless it's soccer, then it's just, you know, it's easy. But that's what temptation does in your life. I love you, brother. That's what temptation does in your life. I got to show you this illustration. Here's what it is. is Lot was living near the city. And then in chapter 19, we find him in the city. And here's what happens. He never sinned or gave in to sin. But what took place in Lot was that Lot said, you know what? I'm going to go to an area that looks a little bit more comfortable. I'm going to go into an area that's nicer than what Abraham picked. So he pitched his his tent near the city. Then in chapter 19, we find him in the city. And he's partaking uh, just a normal life. He's not partaking in the sins of the city, but he is living in the city. I want to show you this illustration because here's Lot. He didn't sin. He's not screwing up, right? But he's also not opposing it. There's no standard in Lot's life. And what happens is that when we're conformed to the culture, we look like the culture. And what happens is, is that the, 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 the mud does not become glovey. All right? I made up a word just for you today. The mud doesn't become glovey, but the glove becomes muddy. You catch that? The mud doesn't become glovey. The mud's like, I got glove in me, right? But also the, the glove says, I am muddy. What happens for Lot was that his convictions became muddy. They became distorted. There was not a standard in his life because he had nothing to model it after. And so that's what can happen in our life. That conviction refers to a state of being convinced and confident that something is true. It means a strong persuasion or belief. That when you have that strong persuasion or belief, you're saying, no, I'm not going to go in there because I got a strong persuasion or belief in my Bible and what God says. Lot became muddy by Sodom's sin because he lacked conviction. He lacked conviction. I'm here to tell you, how can we stay from, how can we keep from getting muddy? I'm going to hurry today. Write this down. Number one, we got to watch out for potential problems. So number one, write this down. Convictions must come from God. Convictions must come from God. They can't come from our friend. They can't come from our family. Even a family, they're godly. They have to come from God. Convictions must come from God. That's why our convictions come from God. Because godly convictions helps us to recognize what is right and what is wrong, but also to confront it. Lot knew what was right and what was wrong, but he never confronted it. 
I'm going to get to it. Hold on for just a moment. I'm going to help you with that. Because here's what I believe. The Bible says God will open doors and close doors. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Now, I believe God will do that according to the will of God in your life. I believe you say, God, uh, help me in this area. Should I do this and do that? I believe God will do that. But I believe God will not open doors and close doors when it comes to your own righteousness. What do you mean by that? That means, uh, God, I pray. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to be holy, and I'm knowing who God is. Now I'm trying to find freedom. And so, Jesus, will you please close the door to the club tonight if I'm not supposed to go clubbing? Right? And some of you are like, oh, shoot, right? And that's okay. Why? Because we're learning how to take a step. We're learning how to have godly convictions in our life. God, I pray in Jesus' name for that young man. Father, I'm going to start dating him. He doesn't know Jesus, never been to church, treats his mom with disrespect. But God, close that door if I'm not supposed to date him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know. We got to make sure our convictions come from God. Do you know what the Bible is? It's that subtle voice in our hearts. Number two, convictions, check this out, convictions must begin in the home or they'll be compromised in the streets. Convictions must begin in the home or they'll be compromised in the streets. I saw a great quote this week. That's a tolerance of a, is, is the virtue of a man without conviction. Without conviction, you'll tolerate anything and everything in your life. That we live in a desensitized culture. We live in a culture, and I'm not here to say, if you're a first-time guest, I'm not here to say, like, the culture is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is culture cannot set conviction in our life. Culture cannot set the standard in our life. That what is allowed by others doesn't mean it's healthy for the soul. Even my son, my, my, my uh, six-year-old son, but dad, so-and-so, and this and that. And we say, that, hey, that's wonderful, but that's not what's going to happen in our home. Why? We have convictions that begin in our home. For example, it has to begin at home. I'm going to encourage you to start reading your Bible together as a family. I'm going to encourage you to pray together as a family. Now, a little uh, disclaimer, when you start reading the Bible together, like you've never done it before, like kids get together, gather around, right? It's going to be awkward until it becomes your new normal. All right, get together. You're going to do like Christian karaoke in the Bible. All right, right? Judas hung himself. Well, that was it for today. I encourage you, continue on in that consistency. I want to encourage you, your pastor, ignore the lie of I was a kid once. Ignore the lie of, man, I did those things, so I'm going to allow them to do those things. I want to encourage you today. Do you want your kids to get hurt like you did, to experience the hurt and pain? And he, I mean, even now, as they, before we had children, I was like, I ain't going to, you know, uh, protect my children and put them in a bubble like that. I ain't going to be like those parents. Now I have a kid, I'm like, saran wrap, right? Get the bubble stuff together. Protect my child. I want to encourage you, don't you dare listen to the voice of the enemy saying, man, you did everything under the sun. Who are you? You are a hypocrite. I want to encourage you to say, shut up, devil, that there is a new creation in my life. I want to encourage you today. Come on. I'm trying to teach that our, <laughs> our children can either learn by experience or they can learn by your wisdom. Or they can learn by your wisdom. 
I'm so grateful for leaders in my life that went through pain and tragedy, and now I don't have to go through that because I'm learning from them. So you know what, I'm gonna avoid that object or potential problem in my life. Write this next one down. Convictions must mean everything to us personally or there'll be nothing to us when we're under pressure. When we're under pressure. That we can often know the difference between right and wrong. This is what I believe. I believe you know what's right, what's wrong, what's legal, what's illegal, what's correct, and what the Bible says, what the Bible doesn't say. I believe in that. I believe we know what we should do. But listen to this. But without conviction, we're not entirely convinced it's worth the effort. Without conviction, we say, that's a great standard, but tonight I'm taking a night off. You know what? It's a great thing to do, but it's exhausting. I don't want to do that. I'm going to give in to that short-term pleasure. Convictions help you keep a standard in your life. And please hear me today. We are not a, this is what you have to do, and this is what you should do. We're all about grace and mercy. But I had a friend. I'll give you an example. I had a friend. We went to their house. This is before I even had a child. And they had a, a, a little girl and then a baby. I remember I was sitting on the floor and playing with their baby, and their baby was on the couch. And all of a sudden, the baby got near the end of the couch, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and I saved their child. I was like, I saved your kid. Like, I saved your child. And they're like, no, 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 let him fall. And I was like, what? Like, let him fall. I was like, man, I'm going to call CPS on these people, you know. Like, I don't know you anymore, you know. And they said, no, let him, let him fall. It's a short fall. We have a nice padded rug right there. And so I'm sitting there like, like, stay away from the corner, you know what I mean? Like, back up, kid, you know? And all of a sudden, this little baby went to the edge, and he, boom, fell down, fell off the couch, cried. They picked him up. Oh, you're okay. Put him back on the couch. Again, he goes to the edge of the couch. He's like, Mama, Dad, Dad. Boom. I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I don't know what to do, you know? And they told me, you know what? He has to learn the consequence of falling off that couch. It's going to hurt. But they are good, loving parents that when we fall and get hurt, parents pick them up, dust them off, and put them right back where they are at, where they were. So the next time I came back in, the little baby was on the couch. I was like, I got to see this. Come here, baby. You know what I mean? And put him on the couch. And all of a sudden, he went towards the edge, and then he went, nope, and he went the other way, you know? That's a sign of our Heavenly Father teaching us the reason why we have standards in our lives giving us wisdom and knowledge to say, you know what, objects and mirror are closer than they appear. So how do I avoid potential problems? I'm going to rock and roll now. Number one, realize that no one is immune to danger. Realize that no one is immune to danger. You have to understand, a lot of grace and mercy comes out of your heart when you realize you are one step away from failing, that we're one step away from making a mistake. And that's why I believe Avenue is such a healthy church to be at. Because none of us say, why'd you do that? Many of us say, let's help. Let's walk on this journey together. Man, we're all one step away. We're not immune to the dangers. I don't know if you've ever been swimming, but there's a phrase called the undertow of the ocean. 
And uh, man, I think last year I was, you know, trying to boogie board or whatever. I go under the wave and I'm trying to turn around and go back to shore. And, and I'm hard of hearing. So I take my hearing aid out when I'm in the ocean because I don't know, it might kill the battery, you know, like be deaf forever. And so I take my hearing aid out, I go in the ocean. And, and even uh, by, by being hard of hearing, I'm deaf in this year, 60% deaf in this year. So when I'm, when I'm underwater, I think up is down and down is up. And so I'm like a grown man in the ocean. And so like the wave hits me and I'm like, oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, like crying out to my six-year-old, save me. You know, he's laughing. Huh? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember a wave hit me because my wife was like, Jeremy. I was like, wave's coming. I'm ready for the wave. Jeremy. I'm like, what? Did somebody say my name? Boom, wave hits me, and all of a sudden the undertow brings me right back out. And that's where I got a little scared, all right? Got a little terrified. But we're all not immune from the undertow of temptation. We're all one step away from making a mistake. Number two, pay attention to subtle hits. Hints. Pay attention to subtle hints. Don't ignore the hints. Don't ignore the hints. Now, I wish in our Christian walk, I wish... You're like, hey, I'm going to go this way and make a bad decision. I wish God would be like, listen, don't do that, Jeremy. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. I won't do that. I'm sorry. But that's not how God works. But he works through the power of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a still, small voice inside of us that said, don't do it. Don't make that mistake. Don't go there. I want to protect you. That the more you ignore, the more you allow. So ask yourself, will I be a better person because of this? Will, my, will this entertain me now and hurt me later? Will this entertain me or will this hurt me? Number three, declare your walk. Declare and walk out your standard repeatedly. I want to encourage you today that our godly convictions uphold our godly standards. Declare your standard and live it out consistently. I see a conviction is your strong belief. And so if I have a standard in my life, single, piece, single people in this place, if you have a standard to say, this is what I want in a marriage, this is what I want in a relationship, when you get into a relationship with somebody, you now have something to measure it by. It is not saying, I have a high standard. When I marry you, you better achieve that standard. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying, you know what? I have convictions and a standard in my life. Standards help you to measure health. But if there's no standard, then there's no conviction. You know, growing up, we had a tough upbringing because my dad, my mom and my dad had a divorce. I was about eight or nine years old, and then my mom remarried when we were teenagers. And so being teenagers, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation of being a blended family. It is tough work. It is hard work. And so they, we merged families and living under one roof. And it was a tough, it was very tough for a while. I'm so glad by the grace of God we all get along together. We love each other. But during that season, it was tough. We had different, uh, you know, brothers and sisters going through different things in life. Uh, some would experiment with drugs. Some, one dropped out of high school. Uh, even the, even the, uh, those of us that were at home, we would have fist fights and disagreements. Uh, it was a tough place to be. And I mean, I look at my mom and my stepdad going like, you guys are champions. You guys are amazing. 
But I remember one day my mom went downstairs to where we all hung out. Remember the section on the TV? And she had some stencils and some paint, and she was painting something. I was like, Mom has lost her mind. What is wrong with my mom? She was like angry, and she had the thing, and she had her stencil up. Mom, if you're watching, I love you, Mom. And so she had her stencil, and I was like, what is she doing? And she had an A, A, you know? And then she had an S, S. I was like, oh, mom's gone crazy. Mom needs to go back to church, you know? And then she put uh, F and then O, and I'm going, okay, I'm leaving. And she put F-O-R. And so I said, guys, we got to get out of here. So I went out that night, hung out with my friends. I remember I came back home and went downstairs, and my mom had completed her little project. And on the wall, I mean, it was huge. On the wall, it said, as for me in my house, I will be able serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was painted on the wall of our family room. I mean, my friends would come in. I'd be like, my friends would be like, as for me and my house. I'd be like, hey, don't worry about it. My mom's crazy, all right? Don't worry about my mom, you know? We try to hang out and do things. But that statement was always ingrained in my mind. And I'm here to tell you, years and years later, as I look back, I am grateful for a mom that modeled godly convictions and had a godly standard for me to look at. That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to encourage you to put a standard up in your home. Place a standard where you live. Even if you have never before, today's a great day to begin that standard. Here's my last point. Worship team, come on up. Help me land this plane today. But here's my last point. I want you to guard against passivity. See, passivity means you accept whatever's going on. I'm accepting whatever's going on because I don't care. I'm accepting anything and anything. I want to encourage you today, guard against that. I want you to listen to what your kids bring home. Pay attention to the friends they choose. Be clear in your standards and stick to them. Hold them accountable. Don't be double-minded and say, you know what, today's free for all. You know what I mean? Stay consistent. See, Lot began to rationalize sin for comfort. He said, you know what, I'm not going to give in to that, but you know what, we're going to live in Sodom because it's comfortable. It's not bad. It's what the kids are doing these days. It's okay. We're not doing it. We're just allowing it. I'm going to ask you today, it's just a loving manner. Hear me out today. That what have you allowed, what have, excuse me, what have you been tolerating in your life? I'm going to ask you today, what have you been tolerating in your kids' lives? I'm going to really, I want to encourage you, your children will thank you later. Key word right there, right? Your kids will thank you later, not now. Now it's going to be like, you're stupid. You're like, later, right? Like, I hate you, mom and dad. I don't care. Later. Why? Because it's creating a holiness standard, not a judgmental standard, but a standard of holiness. Y'all so encouraged, even by my stepdad. I was so encouraged by him that he said in a statement one time that he said, I, I went before the Lord and I prayed on my kids' behalf. I prayed on my kids' behalf. He was never one to be like, what's wrong with you? What, what are you doing wrong? Why are you doing that? What's your problem? He was never one to do that. But you just knew where his standards were. You knew where his convictions lie. It was never mean. It was never harsh. But it's something I always looked up towards. 
they live by our example. Maybe you're here today, like, is this a message for parents? What's going on here? I want to encourage you today. Your influence, all those that are around you, are looking at your standard. They're looking at your convictions. I've had countless people come up and say, you know what? You have a standard in your life. Will you help me? Will you help me to realize that objects in the mirror are really closer than they appear? How long will the church have to resurrect what the home puts to death? We can only do so much on a Sunday. That's why groups are so important. That's why doing life with others is so important. But I want to encourage you today that it begins with you. Because here's what happens. I believe with all my heart, you have to understand there's two differences. Conviction is a strong persuasion or belief, but also conviction from God means, hey, you can change. You can change. Yes, you're dirty. Yes, you're muddy. I believe many of us get here because we, we had no idea how. We didn't have a standard in our lives. We didn't know where to, where to start. And that's why God has you here at Avenue Church, a life-giving church. But let me share with you today. Conviction means, hey, you can change. You can change today. God can change your legacy. It's going to be hard for a while, but God can do it. But condemnation is exactly what the enemy's doing right now. Condemnation means you can never change. You are a hypocrite. How dare you become a standard? And that's what condemnation, condemnation means you can never change. But how many know God is faithful and just? The Bible says that those who are in Christ are not condemned in Jesus' name. There's not a spirit of condemnation. But here's what God does. God says, man, pastor, I've been in muddy situations. It didn't say a lot sinned, but it said his convictions were muddy. It said he tolerated things. He didn't oppose anything. And I know there was heartache. There was hurt. There wasn't respect. I believe that Lot was confused and didn't have a, a standard to live up to. And here's what the Bible says for you and me today. The Bible says that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that we're new creations in Christ. That's why next month we're going to do water baptisms. Because water baptisms represents, this is my sin for a broken nature. But when I go under that water, out comes a new creation in Christ and Jesus. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I want to change. You know what? I believe that when I confess my sins to one another, I believe that when I give my heart to Jesus Christ, that I believe his Bible says I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus, that I believe that I am made new. I believe that the old is gone and the new has come. And you know what happens when we do that? You know what happens when we give our lives to Jesus Christ? That God will take away the mud, the dirt, the shame, and he'll make us a new creation in Christ. Christ Jesus. He'll make you new again. He'll have you to be able to raise a standard in your life. So will you stand with me, please? Come on, that was good. I don't care what anyone says. But here's what it said. Lot's wife looked back. She looked back at all that was comfortable, all that was familiar she turned into a pillar of salt. I want to encourage you today that your yesterdays don't determine your faith and belief. 
Jesus does, that I want you to look forward and to look ahead. So let me pray with you today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you're doing right here at Avenue Church. Now, Father, I pray today, that, Father, I pray that we begin to feel your grace and your mercy. That, God, I pray today we don't feel condemned, but today something's happened in our spirit. That today I pray that there is a new standard that's going to become enveloped in our life. That, Father, I pray today that you begin to heal our mind, heal our past. That today I'm no longer looking behind, but I'm looking forward what lies ahead. And so, Father, I thank you that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. But God, I thank you that you are faithful and you always provide a way out. And so God, I pray to help us to live our best life now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you said, I've never accepted Christ in my life. Man, Pastor, something happened when you pulled that dirty glove off and that brand new glove full uh, with no blemish, with, no, with nothing wrong with it. I want to have that in my life. I don't want to be unclean or feel like I'm dirty, but I want to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to know I am saved and I am redeemed and I am set free. If that is you, every head bow, every eye closed, let me pray over you today. But I want us all to say this prayer today. But I encourage you, don't look back. Let's look forward. Let's all take a step today. So with every head bow, every eye closed, everyone say this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Say, today, I give you my life. Say, make me a new creation in Christ. Say, today, forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Say, Jesus, you were raised to life. Now raise me to new life. I will follow you all the days of my life. Say, Jesus, everyone rule out. Say, I am saved. I am redeemed. And I'm a child of God. And everybody shout it. Amen. Come on.